right, it's easy to say it. It's easy to say it, right? My God is big. But He really is. Right? He really is. See, we can, we can, we can contain Him as, as much as, as uh, He will allow us to. Right? I'm not asking for you to agree with me. I just want to make sure you're with me. So, so here's the thing. Last week, all right, a lot of you were here last week. I'm going to put you to the test, right? I'm going to put you to the test. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. A, a little bit more about who we are. Remember I talked about uh, in, in the beginning, I didn't bring the right phone with me today. It doesn't have the little pop socket so I can hold it. So I got to hold it in my hand today. And last week I had the pop socket so I could just wave it all around. This week, watch it because you might have to catch it. I talked about being uh, creative, right? We are, we are creative as human beings. God created us to be innovative. But the question is, how creative are we with God? See, we're not that creative. And last week, that's what we talked about. Sometimes we want to limit God. We want to put God in a box, right? We talked about doing the same thing with human beings, where we put people in categories or boxes. And everybody in here knows we do it. If this person is late, we put them in that late box. We, this person's a tightwad. Remember, I had to ask your neighbor if they were a tightwad, right? But that's what we do. So with all that said, we went to a different area, right? We said, okay, you know, at UPS, we, we measure those boxes, and we're going to charge you for every, every single dimension of that box, right? And remember, I was asking about, you know, we're going, we're going, to, we're going to get the fullness of that, right? So... If we try to put God or we limit God into a certain area of our life or our box, we will never experience that. So a couple points from last week, if you weren't here, right? One thing was this. Our past disappointments, our past experiences have created the present dimensions of God in our life. Now, I will ask, would you agree with that statement? Right. I think that's a true statement. See, and we put God in a box or we limit God's abilities without even thinking about it. Right. We just do it. We're like. God calls us to do something and we're like. I only have X amount of dollars, but you feel led to give to something. Right. Support something. God's put that in you and you're like. I don't think I have enough faith. So we talked about the quantity of faith, right? When Peter walked on water, remember that? He was the only one that did it. Granted, he didn't make it all the way, but we took his eyes off Christ, right? So, so we struggle with that. And then I'll tell you, I'm taking glasses off of this so I don't knock them off. But, but last week when I left here, remember we talked about that, that minefield, that battle that's going on right here? When Satan's saying, you don't have what it takes. You don't have it. You should have went to college. You should have did this. You should have never got that divorce. Maybe never had that abortion. Remember that? Remember when I said that? Well, Satan was in my ear when I left here last week saying, dude, that was that message stunk. That was terrible. Don't. What are you doing? And then I thought, you know what? My God is big. He is too big. The question is, why do I want to put him in a box that I can carry around or hide or do whatever with? He can't be contained, and I wanted to try to do it. Why? It's not me. I don't get up here. I have nothing to say. 
when God birthed this message into me, he said, you know what? Take your favorite verses. Take your favorite verses. And he said, teach them. Teach them. And stay with it. Stay with it. And everything builds. Everything builds. Will said it this morning, right? I believe we serve a big God because you know what? He brought him to UPS. We met each other. We began to work together. And then, lo and behold, a vacancy became here. And God said, I got a plan already. We're going to fill every week up. And it won't be a week. You won't have a speaker in this church. Do you believe that church? Somebody will step up. God will make sure of it. He ain't going to leave that box empty. He'll fill it up. But do you believe it? Do you believe that God is a big God? Think about a time when God filled it up. Think about it. Think about when God restored your marriage, when you didn't have a dime and he provided for you, when you beat the cancer or you beat the illness or whatever you were dealing with. But you've got to trust God. It's hard to do. It's real hard to do. So Paul, he, he's, he's telling us, is the church in Ephesus, he says in verse 16 of Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. In your inner being. Remember I talked about it doesn't say in the beginning Josh. In the beginning God. Right? It don't say Wayne, Shane. It don't say any of us. It don't say any of us, right? It is God. It's all for him and through him. But we like to, we like to say it's all about us, right? We like to be the center. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness. I'm reading this on my paper because my, my version is a little bit different. I have the New Living Translation. And I like the NIV a little bit better here. And I like the message too. But I'm reading from the NIV if, you, uh, if you're wondering. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. I tried to stand up here with a glass last week and tell you if I just scooped a, I scooped a little bit of the ocean out and held it up. And explained to you that God is that little glass but so much more, right? And y'all laughed at me. Remember that? I said, just so much more. Right? I tried it with a big bottle. That's why I had to go back there to the back for it. This is my second one this morning. I'm just kidding. But think about that. Immeasurable. God is immeasurable. And he can do more than we ask or imagine according to whose power? His power. And it's that work within us. And to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Right? So today, so today I want to tell you that, and I made a note here and I actually highlighted it. I missed the point last week, I think. But God didn't want you to hear it last week. That's the way I look at it. Right? If I had it and I didn't say it, God didn't want it to be said. The way I look at it. So this week I'm going to open with that one point. And that point is, when you look at this last portion of the scripture, and, and it says, now to him is, who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, according to his power that is working within us, throughout all generations, right? 
And I began to think about that, and I began to go back and think, well, wait a minute. But but if if in verse 19, I'm going back, it says, okay, now that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness. If, if, if Paul made that statement to the church in Ephesus, I began to think about something, right? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, which also told me that I may not be filled. You with me? Does it make sense to you the same way that I'm thinking about it? Okay, if I can be filled to the full measure, then I, I want I want to be full. I want God to fill me up. But it also means that I cannot be. Choices, decisions that I make. Right? I, I put myself, limit myself, because I'm not trusting God enough to fill me up, to rely on him, to give me that, that fullness that he wants, that to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I'm going to just pray for us because I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting in and, and I need God just to use me this morning. If you would, pray with me. Lord God, I just uh, I thank you so much again for the opportunity to, to be a vessel for you. Would you just empty me and fill me up? Help me to, to share whatever words you want to be shared this morning. I pray right now for every person sitting here this morning. I pray that you would just give them a spirit of fullness that they may experience this week. Your power. I pray you would comfort those in here that need your comforting. I pray you would bless those that need your blessing. I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. In every person here. Because we are representing you. And we are the church. In our community. In our workplace. Help us to represent you well. Change us Lord through this service this morning. And it's in your precious son's name. Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Alright we're going to dig in a little bit today. I think I said that last week. Dig in didn't I? I made y'all say it to one another didn't I? Let's dig in didn't I? All right, so we're going to dig in. I don't know why I'm thinking digging. I guess because maybe that's what we've been doing most of our life, right? Digging. Been digging dirt. All right. So this is what I want to share with you today, right? God, God said when, it, when we started this message series and, and I began to try to think about uh, what, what is it that you, you put on my heart, God? What is it that you uh, want me to, to inspire the church to do, right? What, what is it? And God birthed this, this going back to this, my favorite verses. And I began to think how it's so easy for us to limit God. How it's so easy for us to put him in a box. And I was thinking about after that first week, all right, what is it that I, I can teach out of your word? And, and lo and behold, I had two stories that were in the Bible up until this morning. I ended up selecting the last one. Uh, this morning, which was kind of crazy because I went through a couple books looking like, God, show me, show me, show me. Just just give it to me. Make it easy for me, right? Nothing really ever easy, but I'm telling you, with God, it's easy. It really is. And until you do it, you won't know what I'm talking about. All right. So I want to start. I want to start somewhere. And if you guys can find John chapter 6, we're going to go to John. We're going to go to Genesis. And then we're going to end up in Luke. So we're going to be in the New Testament and the Old Testament, back in the New Testament. So I was thinking about 
something, and I was thinking something bigger than, you know, an idea I was thinking about and thinking, you know, why is it that man, you and me and anybody outside the church, why is it we always want to to limit God? And And what I mean by that is you think about certain pictures that have been in a government uh, facility for a long time that are that have Christ in them. You know, people are petitioning. To, let's let's just get them removed. Oh, we're going to find you. We're going to do some crazy stuff. And you can look it up on the internet, Ohio and some different um, places, right? And then you think about certain statues. You think, you know, the big deal with no, kids, they shouldn't be able to pray in, in school. They shouldn't be able to openly profess Jesus Christ. I mean, and I, I began to think about it, and I, and I thought, God, show me how we can, we can learn how big you are and how we, we, we're not going to be able to contain you. It ain't possible. So the first, the first scripture this morning is in John chapter 6. And there's a problem here. And I noticed pretty quick that that problem... It wasn't with Jesus, per se, but it was with the disciples. So we're going to start in verse 1. Are you with me? Say you with me if you're with me. All right, John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs. I was about to say miracles. He did perform miracles too. But the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming toward him to look for him. So then Jesus said, you know what? We got just a small, small problem. So he asked Philip and, and, and tested him. Right? He tested him. We're going we're to read it, but. He already knew what he was going to do. But see, you and me, when God sometimes presents us a little small problem, we limit God's abilities. And I hope to show you that right here. I want to show you. So Jesus turned to Philip. And remember how close they were. I mean, they were, they were tight. They were boys. He was in his inner circle. He was watching and learning. And Jesus says to him, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? <laughs> and see what Jesus says here, right here. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. But guess what? Philip failed the test. I failed the test. Probably some of you in here have failed the test. He says, hold up a minute, Jesus. This problem is bigger. It's way bigger than, than I'm thinking that, that you can do here. Even if we work for months, 
A lot of versions say 200 denarii, six months worth of, of wages. We couldn't have enough money to feed them. What was Philip doing? He was limiting Jesus. Let me ask you something. What has Jesus asked you lately? What has Jesus asked you to do? And what was your response? See, he wasn't asking Philip to go spend his whole savings to find a local nearest Walmart or food line or whatever, right? He, he was just asking him a question and putting him to the test, and he failed. And it gets better. Not. Verse 8. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. I know I didn't say it here, but I, I'm reminded of the JGV version when I had to speak on the tongue. And that was just keep your mouth shut. Out of James 3, the JGV, Josh Gentry version, of the, is keep your mouth shut. Sometimes better say nothing. But look, look what he says. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, there's a boy here with a Happy Meal. No, he didn't say that. He said, five barley loaves and two fish. But, there goes that but. Forget what I just said. This is what I really mean. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So what did Mr. Andrew do? Put Jesus in a box. He limited what he could do right here. And I've made a little note here in my Bible. I said, you know, I said, how often do I put God in a box? How often do I put God in a box? And I began to think about my faith. And I was thinking, man, I can, I can tell a, a brother or a sister right now, I can say, God is with you. He will be with you through your illness, through your cancer, through whatever it may be. But then me, myself, my faith is not where it should be. It's here. When God says, you you got to trust me, I'm going to provide that to you, but you got to believe. And I, I just think about that. I mean, maybe you can believe it, you don't, I don't know. But don't you find it how easy it is to, to pray, put lay hands on somebody and pray with somebody? But then when you yourself feel it, you just like doubt that God's going to show up. So then Jesus took that happy meal and he said, tell everybody to sit down. He said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. And I'm in verse 10 and verse 11. And then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to, to the people. After he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. See, I love that too. See, they didn't just divvy up a, a, a portion. Remember that from last week? 
They didn't just divvy up a portion. They didn't just say, you just get these two little pieces of bread. See, they think about the proportion, right? He didn't get a portion. Everyone was full. Everyone. After this happy meal. Jesus told his disciples, now go gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. They had so much and they had leftovers. And so they picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps by the people who had eaten the five barley loaves. And in verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet that we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away by himself. Hmm. See, I, I made some notes about this particular passage. And I, and I began to think about sometimes when we limit God. See, if you, if you don't put yourself out there to be used by God, then he's going to find somebody else. You with me? So he's still going to impact this city. He, he's still going to impact this state. He's still going to impact this nation. He's still going to impact the world. He will not fail. He is a big God. The question is, do you believe it and are you participating in it? What has Jesus asked you lately? Did you doubt that he would provide? He already knows what he's going to do. Are you going to participate, First Christian Church? Or are you going to stay seated? Are you going to stand in the same spot? Are you not going to take a step of faith? Last weekend, we were talking with some, some friends, and they kept questioning things, and this thought popped in my mind. They questioned things about God and about God's Word, and I began to, to think about this. And I thought, man, it would be a horrible thing with the hell. God, give me something that I can show them who you are. Give me something. And I pray for opportunities to be able to do that. Just keep giving me opportunities. Please, please, Lord. If not me, somebody else. And God said this, and I thought to myself, and, and God gave me even, a, even another message. He gave me another message out of it. I thought this series might be done in two weeks, but we might keep on going. We might keep on going. And I thought, why, why can't it be so simple that we believe that God said it, and that's that. Why do we have to question it? Why do we have to limit Him? I, I don't get it. And I put down, big gift, big God. I want that gift that's too big to be boxed. I want to open all the gifts on Christmas morning. Then next thing you know, God, man, I got something bigger. It's that new car, right? Now, just blessings might, maybe, maybe. Hey, I'll tell you right now. If you need it, God's going to provide it one way or another. I was planning on sharing this a little later in the story, but I'll I, I tell you why. 
I'll tell you why that God laid that on my heart this morning. Before we get into the, the next passage, I'll go ahead and share it. I was thinking about the blessings of God, and we're going to go into a, an area of the Bible in Genesis chapter 16, 17, and 18. We'll be out of here by three. But we're going to cover those three chapters. And I began to think about when Jesus asked, are you really listening? And I began to think about my niece. And I told my text my sister this morning, I said that I think I'm going to talk about Jaden today a little bit. Right? Some of you may be on social media, but Jaden has graduated from Liberty. And she thought, you know what? God is is calling me to go to this school for a year. And it's a like a you know, um I don't I don't really know like, you know, what the school was named is. I can't remember all, all of it, but it's like B S S M or something like that. And I like the supernatural part of it because I, I like that. I like that it's supernatural, right, that they're teaching God. But she felt called there, right, and she already has been through college, right, so that, that expense was already, you know, covered, I would say. But she hadn't planned that God would call her to this ministry or to go to this school for a year. So she said, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that he's going to provide for me. So he, she put it out there on social media and said, if you would like to help me to do this, then, you know, pray about it and do something. I can tell you within 48 hours, her tuition was paid. I mean, what in the world? So when God asks you to do something, you better believe he's going to make it possible. I mean, do you, do you believe that First Christian Church this morning? Has there been a time in your life where you've said, God, if it's your will, then make it possible. I mean, th this is real. Our God is so big, and he provides such big blessings, but we want to limit him, right? Philip and Andrew, they want to say, nah, that little Happy Meal ain't enough to feed 5,000 men and, and who knows ever how many other people. See, they doubt it. They put him in a box. Same thing we attempt to do. Let's go back to... Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 16. Now, where are we in in this? Does anybody automatically just think? All right. So we're talking about Abraham and who? Uh-oh. Sarah. Yeah, y'all are with me. I, I've seen, I don't see anybody sleeping, so that's good. So I want to give you a little quick, just a little rendition here, a little, little, little catch me up. So, Sarah has decided that God was not blessing her with a child, so what did she do? She put God in a box. She said, and, and Abram at that time, he was Abram, right? Abraham and Sarah, in these three chapters, God gives them a new name. She said, you, you can have my servant, right? And God provide that way. So she took matters into her own hands, right? But you know what? You know what I, I saw there and I see in that story? What came out of that? What came out of that? 
See, God still blessed her. You, you realize that? He still blessed her. Even though she took matters into her own hands and provided her maid servant to her husband. Because she doubted what God would do. And then she began to get old. So I'm going to read a little bit here. Just a little bit. I think they were like roughly in the 80s, mid 80s. He, uh, he was, and then she was like in her mid-70s, like 10 years difference. I think about dad and them. But, here. but anyway, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. All right, so Sarah, Abram's wife. I'm going to call him Sarah and Abraham throughout the whole thing and just, just know that. All right, she had not been able to bear children for him, but she said, right, she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. And then... This is what she told Abraham. She said, the Lord has prevented me from having children, so go and sleep with my servant. Right? I just told you that, right? So that happened. So they essentially created this big mess, right? She did, because she wanted children. And she said, do this. And then it was so bad that Hagar got pregnant and left, and then an angel of God showed up, and she returned. And, and uh, she, you know, Sarah wanted this so bad, she just took matters in her own hands. Right? So this is where... It says in verse 16 of chapter 16 that Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Okay. Now let's go into chapter 17. Then Abram was now 99 years old. And the Lord appeared to him and said, that, that tells me you're never too old for God to show up. You with me? First Christian church, you're never too old for God to show up. I'm going to tell you right now. Be ready. He says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And this is what I love. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. See, I think God wants to make a covenant with you and me. He goes on to tell Abraham, confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Verse 9 of chapter 17, God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of my covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Now, I'm going all the way down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, he said, regarding your wife, that's when he gave, gave her his new name, Sarah. And he says, I will bless her and give you a son from her. Hmm. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Verse 17. Abraham bowed down to the ground. But then look what he did. He laughed to himself in disbelief. I don't know about you, but I don't see anything funny there. Because I believe when God tells me something, he's going to do it. The question is, have I been in times of disbelief? Yeah. The very first time I was ever asked to speak. 
I kind of laugh to myself. God, (laughs) I know you ain't trying to get me up there. I'm telling you now. See, but then I realized pretty quickly it ain't me. It's him. He will do it. So I can can talk about Abraham all I want. About laughing, because I know I've done it too. Now, he says again, he, he says, how could I become a, a father at the age of 100? And then I was thinking to myself, my dad's always got tons of jokes about anything and everything. And I thought, maybe there's just no sparks in his bedroom anymore. I don't know, 100 years old, maybe, I don't know. Technology's come a long way since then, though, you know what I'm saying? All right, but anyway, that was, a, you know, just something I was thinking. I'm, I don't even know why I said it, but anyway. All right. And then here he goes. See what I'm saying? He says, now how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. So he's asked for this special blessing even for Ishmael. And God replied, no, your wife will give birth to a son for you. And you will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. And And as for Ishmael... I will bless him also. So God blesses the mess they created and provides them a son. I think that got the sparks going. Now, we're going into 18. And it's only 2 o'clock. The Lord appeared against Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran out to meet them, bowing down low to the ground. And then he goes and starts preparing some things for them. And then I, I, I like to say, he, they get right to business. Right? Get right to business. We're going to verse 9. They said, where's Sarah? Where's your wife? The visitors asked. Abraham said, she's inside the tent. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now, just like all good wives, Sarah was listening to the conversation. I know y'all are good listeners. I really know wives in the room. I know you are good listeners. And we need you listening. So we can remember later on what it is that we were supposed to do that we said we were going to do. You with me? All right, on a serious note, Sarah was listening to the conversation. And again, they were very old. They have said this plenty of times, OLD. They even mentioned it, 90, 80s, 90s, 100. And look what she did in verse 12. What'd she do? She laughed too. I mean, I, I mean, it, it is really funny, right? It is. It's really comical. I mean, she's in her 90s. And she's going to have a baby. See, but I don't, I don't think they believed it. They doubted. They put God in a box. They tried to limit what God was going to do. He told them what he was going to do. She laughed silently to herself, as we all have. And then she thought, how could this worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? So now he's the old guy. She, he said she was old earlier. 
And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And then he's like, one more. And then he, why did she even say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And this is what I love. If you don't have verse 14 marked in your Bible or written in something that you can refer to when you're doing your quiet time and when you get anxiety because something's not going right in my life. Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. Is anything too hard for the Lord? First Christian Church. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. I think about his past year. God's bringing somebody here. Somebody. He knows where you've been. He's got first Christian right here. Right here, close. Do you believe it? Do you trust it? Or are you silently laughing? Hmm. I uh, tend to struggle when it comes to having the faith that I need. I can tell other people all day long that God's going to get them through it, but I struggle with that. And it brings me to the last, the very last scripture we're going to go through today. And I want to try to show you one other area that somebody tried to limit Jesus. And turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. When you're there, you can say, I'm there. And then as soon as that quietness goes, we can do it. You there? Saw somebody hold the Bible up. Now, Jesus, in this particular situation, was trying to be contained or or, or an effort was made to contain him by Satan. In verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing, and at that time became very hungry. So what did the devil try to do? He says, if you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus told him, no. I would imagine probably, no! The scriptures say that people do not live by bread alone. Here we go again. So the devil took him up, revealed him to all the kingdoms of the world, and in a moment of time, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. This is what the devil's saying. <laughs> that gives me something to laugh about. Dude, you don't know nothing. You don't even know who you're talking to. If you think that he's going to bow down, because the Bible's pretty clear. Every knee will bow. He says, in the last days, right? Guess what I'm going to do? Fill him up. And he's not going to be 
Acts chapter 2. It's not going to be a time. I will fill them up with my spirit. And Jesus says, you know what? You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil says, you know, let's take him up Jerusalem to a higher place. For another temple. If you're the son, jump off. Jesus ain't give in. He said, dude, you ain't going to put me in a box. You ain't going to limit my abilities. I know what I came for. I know what I'm going to do. Scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God was what Jesus responded to him. And this is what I love. Then Jesus said, later, Satan. Then what did he do? Went on to church. He went on to church. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. Verse 14. Jesus don't walk down through the middle. He says, I'm gone, Satan, later. He returned to Galilee. And that's what I love again. It mentions. Remember how many times we talk about how, how you could be full of the Spirit? How God wants you to, to live to the fullness, to the full measure that he has for you. Right? Here it is again pointing out that Jesus, right, the same Holy Spirit that you and I have within us, is filled with the Holy Spirit's power in verse 14. I want that fullness. I want that power too. And then he, he begins to read. Right? And then he, he begins, Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, right? And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. And that the blind will see. And that the oppressed will be set free. And at that time, of the Lord's favor has come. And then he goes on telling them in verse 21, and he began to speak to them, and the scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. I, I'm not going to get into a whole, lot of, a whole lot of history, but Leviticus 25, when you begin to look at this, and I went through like two books to try to figure out, God, what is this final message what is the final part of this message this morning and essentially what jesus is saying this is the day of jubilee this is this is something we can celebrate this is huge but but what did the people try to do and then the people try to limit jesus look what they're trying to do here in verse 28 when they heard this the people in the synagogue were furious they were jumping up they mobbed him and tried to force him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They indeed intended to push him over the cliff. But he passed right on through the crowd and went on his way. Tried to put him in a box. Mm, ain't going to happen, folks. Ain't going to happen. I began to, to look at some things and, and in closing... I don't believe God gets any bigger than this. And I want to show you how God is, is and I don't even remember the dude's name that wrote it, but I, he works for Lifeway, is a, is a Christian bookstore. And he was preaching some years ago, and, and I thought, man, this is pretty awesome. And I want to show you God in every book of the Bible, he says. How, how big, how big. You don't need to doubt. He said, you don't need to doubt, First Christian Church. You don't need to laugh, First Christian Church. In Genesis, God is creator and promised redeemer. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he was the high priest. In Numbers, he was the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he becomes the curse for us. In Joshua, he's the commander of the army of the Lord. And in Judges, 
delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he's our kinsman and our redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he all in one. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. He's the king of grace and love. Are y'all with me? Am I preaching to myself? Is God here? Are you hearing this? Is God that big? Is God big? Is he present in every book? Absolutely. In every word? Absolutely. First and second Chronicles. He's the son of David that is coming to rule. The king who reigns eternally. Ezra, the priest proclaiming freedom. Nehemiah, the one who restores what is broken down. And Esther, the protector of the people. His people. Job, mediator between God and man in Psalms. Our song in the morning and in the night. Proverbs, our wisdom, Ecclesiastes, our meaning for life in the Song of Solomon. Abraham and Sarah read the Song of Solomon. They was having a child. They believed. Can't laugh in the middle of that. He was the author of faithful love. Isaiah, suffering servant. Jeremiah, the weeping Messiah. In Lamentations, he assumes God's wrath for you and for me. Ezekiel, he was the son of man. Daniel, I think he was just in the fire. Hosea, faithful husband, even when we laugh, even when we run away. Joel, he is ascending his spirit to his people. And Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. And Obadiah, he is the judge of those who do evil. And Jonah, the greatest missionary, and Micah, he cast our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And Nahum, he proclaims future world peace we cannot e even ever imagine. And Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. And Zephaniah, the warrior who saves. And Haggai, restores our worship. And Zechariah, he says, prophesies a Messiah pierced for you and for me. And Malachi, the son of righteousness who brings healing. I think we serve a big God. I know we serve a big God. Think it was a bad choice of words. Matthew. Getting into the New Testament now. How many more books we got? 66 total. You wouldn't? The Messiah who is the king. In Mark, the Messiah who is a servant. In Luke, the Messiah who is a deliverer. John, the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In Acts, the spirit who dwells. And his people, somebody else wrote it, said the fire, the fire that's in his people. Romans, the righteousness of God. First and second Corinthians, the power and love of God and the down payment of what's to come. Galatians, he is our very life. Ephesians, the unity of our church. Philippians, the joy of our life. Colossians, holds the supreme position in all things. First and Second Thessalonians, our comfort in the last days and our returning king. First and Second Timothy, our savior of the worst sinners. Mm. Leaders of the leaders. And Titus, the foundation of truth. Philemon is our mediator. Hebrews, our high priest. In James, he matures our faith. First and Second Peter, our hope in times of suffering. The one who guards us. From false teaching. First, second, third John. He's the source of all fellowship. He's God in the flesh. And he's the source of all truth. Jude, he protects us from stumbling. 
And in, Rele- in, in Re- Revelations, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And guess what? He's coming again. And the one who makes all things new. I know that might have took some time, but I didn't know any better way than to show you God in every book of the Bible to close the service. See, because we can, we can, as as we do, try to take matters into our own hands. But I'm, I'm asking for you to seek God and, 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 and ask yourself, what is it that he's asking me? And then to, to trust him. To trust him. I want to close in prayer this morning. And I don't know, Dad, if you guys are planning to thank you for coming and, and uh, even though you're still a little under the weather, God definitely provided and he made it through it. It was awesome worship this morning.